how would you go about convincing them that they should start paying you monthly instead of just, hey, this is broken. I want to call you and have you fix it. This guy, Tim, reached out to me recently. He had listened to the first podcast and he was telling me a little bit about his story and it really resonated. So we set up a time to talk and I asked if I could record it and we just had a discussion about where he's at right now, where he wants to be going, what he's struggling with. A lot of that is being able to sell yourself. You have a passion, you have a hobby, you have something that you're good at. How do you convince people that it's worth buying? I, I, I don't know. That's my biggest issue. Is I don't know how to convince people because people are always like, oh, I'll be fine. And I'm like a terrible, like, pushy salesman kind of person. Like, I, You let them convince can... you <laughs> that they don't need the yeah, service I, and you just, like, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. That's not a problem I've been trying to work on, but. I was totally the same way when I was starting with it too. And it's just about finding like little areas at which you could kind of sell the value in some regard. So essentially explaining to them that this industry has really moved to a different model. So the old model is break fix. So that's when something breaks, you contact and we come in and we fix it. The new model is more of an insurance model. We're proactively monitoring your computers. We're proactively monitoring not only your office, but other clients' offices. So we could be monitoring 100 plus computers and there might be a virus that gets pushed out or something can happen to one of our clients. We patch it for them and fix it and then proactively go and do it for all of our clients. So now you're benefiting from my other clients because they're on the same software as me. So now I'm managing at scale. If your server goes down, what do you guys do? And like, what does that scenario look like? Oh my God, we'd be mm, we'd be down for three, four days, and no one would be able to work. And we'd, you know, it's like, well, what is the the cost associated with you not being able to work for three days? And it's like they can start attributing value to it. It could be cost them four grand a day for their office to not be able to work in some regard. And then that's where you can start really showing the value that you have of proactively being there. And then you know proactively backing things up as well, their servers or computers or just having things up and running quickly. So there's that concept of it. The other one that I've had some success in, a lot of these places are small where they don't have an IT person. And you're going to be undervaluing yourself if you just say, hey, call me and you can you can be like, great, and charge $125 an hour. And that sounds great in theory. But the problem is you don't have the consistent revenue coming in. And now you're really just dealing with cleaning up messes versus actually doing things properly. And now you have this very inverse relationship where they want to get you out as soon as possible because every minute you're there, you're costing them a lot of money. So you can't even go above and beyond to help them because the relationship is to get you in and out as quick as possible and just solve their problem. So it's, it's explaining that to them as well. The problem is an inverse relationship. You want me to get out as soon as possible. And the other relationship in the MSP world, it's all about just making things as efficient as possible. We want to be able to solve your issues as quickly as possible because since you're just paying us on retainer for month to month, retainer is not a good word because that's kind of like you're eating away from it, but it's, our, it's, it's incentivized for us to do as quick as possible. And you benefit because now it gets fixed as quick as possible. It doesn't make sense for us to spend a lot of time doing something or trying to fix something because we're not charging you hourly. So the more time it takes us to solve a problem for you, the more we're 
you know, losing money. So it's really now it's a, it's a beneficial relationship where you want me to jump in and fix something quickly and I want to jump in there and fix it quickly and I don't want to spend 4 hours doing it because it's it's not the model of you paying me per hour. One of the best ones is that I've had success with really is taking the model of okay, so you have 5 employees. That's like a smaller business, maybe, you know, relatable and I have a few clients like that and you don't have a full-time IT person. Okay, well, that makes sense. You know, oftentimes businesses below 15 employees don't need a full-time IT person. It's a waste to be spending 70 grand on having, you know, someone there. There's not even enough work yeah. for them to work on. Okay, great. So right now when there's an issue with Betsy's computer, this isn't working, what do you do? Nine times out of 10, you're going to hear that the CEO is the one that is going and fixing the computer. And it's like, wait, 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 wait a minute. The CEO, you, the CEO of the company, are spending your time fixing a computer? Like, is that a good use of your time? Your best fit in the business is to be selling and doing what you're doing. A lot of companies I see too is, especially in like a web development company, they'll have one of their web designers be a IT person. It's like, wait a minute, that's not actually what their their profession is. You just have this overlap of them doing this. It's like, no, they should be making you money. They should be working on billable client work it's not worth your time. It's not worth it for you to have your employees doing the IT aspect. This is where it makes sense to outsource it. And better yet, instead of hiring someone for $70,000, our services are only $20,000 a year. And now you're, you're trying to talk them down from 70 to 20 versus talking them up from nothing to 20. I never thought of it like that. That's a... You start seeing things click in their mind a little bit. That it's just the lost productivity that they're dealing, the CEO wasting their time. I just dealt with a client the other day trying to do the CRM implementation, and he almost started selling me on it. He's like, you know, I get it. If I were to do it myself, it would take me, I don't know, 50 to 70 hours. And he's like, and what is my time worth? I, I don't even know. Let's say $100 an hour. So it's going to cost me between five and $7,000 to do this myself. I understand why we're hiring you. I'm like, great, you just sold yourself. Like, but that's that's that was a CEO mentality of the, the way that they were client. thinking, right? Uh, yeah. Do you require them to have like a modern computer when you do your service, or do you just take whatever computer they have? I will deal with their existing hardware, though within the contract and things like that. I says that they should have minimum system requirements, but if they don't. I don't really make it a problem unless like something happens, then I'll refer to the contract and be like, we were taking care of and supporting this because it's what you have, but we actually don't support this. So like you just need to get newer hardware in any proper world. Like my MSP buddy, he'd be like, no, we like if any of this comes up, like we're ordering the router, we're ordering the switch, we're ordering the firewall, we're taking like that's us. All of my clients really have their own shit and I just manage it, which screws you over hardcore because, okay, I have a client that has a NAS and he chose the NAS that he wanted to choose. And then I have a different client that has a different NAS. Now, guess what? I have to be an expert in two different types of NASs that have two totally different software that has two totally different workflows. And now I get a third client that has a different NAS. And I don't know when NAS updates are like what the, there might be a software update. And it's just like trying to draw that line in the sand. It's okay. I'm trying to pivot them into like the CRM space um, and more of our automation services. So I think this is just more of a foot. Is that in the what door you're mainly focusing on recently? 
Yeah, I so like I just sold a job the other day, um, and it was for seventeen thousand dollars, and it's only CRM, PandaDoc integration, automation, and consulting. And it's it like no, I'm not managing any of their their computers, and I'm not managing anything like that. Um, that's the space that I'm trying to get in, and that I'm that I primarily am in now, and. Um, this is where you can get a little bit of a unique value proposition. There, I have a large client that, so I connected closely with Prosperworks and they recommended, they sent me over a lead. This company based in California and they love Prosperworks. They've been using Prosperworks and they love it. Though they have an exchange platform, like a loan exchange platform for like banks to buy mortgages from other banks based like whatever. They're just the platform that just allows it to be exchanged. Super old web app, super, super, super old. And he's like, you know what would be awesome? So they, he, they connected me and I was talking to the guy and he's like, you know what would be awesome is if I can actually connect my website to Prosperworks. Like if I just had to go into Prosperworks each day and I can deal with like a lot of the stuff going on in my site, then that would be awesome. And I'm like, okay, you know, that, that would be great. We can't do it with your existing site though. Do you have like a budget in mind for, you know, rebuilding the web app yet building the web app so that it integrates it has APIs so that we can actually integrate with Prosperworks. They had a $50,000 budget, and they said they went to a local California company. They wanted $100,000, and they said, and we can't integrate with Prosperworks, by the way. We don't even know what that is, and we, we, you know, we can build you a nice web app for what you want to do. And he's like, no, I don't. A, you're not even giving me the service that I want, and B, you're twice my budget. So that was when I was talking to him. I ended up, we ended up selling it, but I only charged him 30 for the web app redesign and then 43,000 per year for the, uh, the automation aspect. So connecting the web app to Prosperworks and like, as, as long as you're paying us, you'll have that automation aspect. Obviously we need to set it up and everything. The CRM consulting, helping configure the CRM and all these different aspects to it and just being available. And then what I did was I contacted, uh, one of my mentors based in Toronto he recommended a software company, like a web app company, to me, and they were able to do this job for thirty grand. Me being a dumbass, like I should have charged them forty or fifty, and then made ten, fifteen, twenty grand off of that transaction. The issue is now I probably put about fifty, sixty hours into project management, like exactly what you're talking about. I'm dealing with the the Toronto company; they're building the web app. I'm then relaying it to the client. And so like I'm that middleman and I'm making no money. Like I'm at like zero dollars. I took the thirty thousand I was given and I just gave it off to that other company. So that's where I screwed up. It was, yeah, but it was it's a learning experience right now, and I'm still going through it. And once this finishes up, once this web app is built, then the automation and the consulting aspect, um, they're gonna be paying me thirty five hundred dollars a month. A thousand of that I'm going to be throwing over the web app company and just saying, you just maintain it. This is for the server for however many hours of maintenance per month or whatever. So now I have, you know, $2,400, $2,500 a month coming in from one client just for automation, consulting, maintaining, and just being that kind of gateway. And then I can always get him up to a higher tier. It's like, oh, you want five more automations within Prosperworks or within like whatever? Well, that's going to be a higher tier. So like this could start being a fairly large client. And if they're a client of mine for the next five, 10 years, like I don't think their web app is going anywhere. You know, they, they could be a half a million dollar client over the course of the lifetime of the client. So it's like that was, you know, taking the risk up front of saying, you know, taking 30 grand, handing off to a different company to take care of it. Because I, I, you know, that the most difficult thing for me was, and that would be for you, I'm guessing as well, 
is like you could have taken that 30 grand internally and just done it yourself and you would have figured it out. And yeah. that's the most difficult it's, it's thing. It would have taken a while. Mm-hmm. It would have. So in the meantime, so this was terrifying to me because that's what I was going to be doing. I have uh, this consultant I was working with. Him and I were going to do it. He's a back-end developer. I'm a front-end developer. And together, we're just going to take care of it, split in the middle, 15-15 each. And then, you know, that $1,000 a month toward that aspect would be split in half as well. And then 500 bucks a month from it. And it sounded like it made sense. But the more I talked to mentors, the more I thought about it, I'm like, wait a minute, I got out of the web development industry and now I'm pulling myself right back into it because I know I can do it. That's not actually like a good thing. That's just like where my comfort zone is. And I was like, I I would be better off just hiring a company that actually does this, that spent like they have, you know, 15 web developers and employees and project managers. They should be the ones doing that. And better yet, like my mentors are just like, this is where you need to be spending your time selling. But in the meantime, I just sold this one company in Arizona that contacted me for the 16, 17 grand for this thing. And I, I know I would not have spent the time selling them if I was working on this web app. And two other leads came in too. I'm working on two other leads that are both, you know, sixteen, seventeen thousand dollar leads. And I, I just wouldn't have the time. I, I, I would... I got overwhelmed just with those three leads coming in. And that's without doing the web app building as a front-end developer. So it's just like there's a certain point where you kind of need to decide decide like who you are, what you're trying to be. And if you're trying to be a web developer, you're always going to be a web developer. And, you know, it's still a passion and a hobby of mine. Like I, I freaking love coding. Like it's fun to do. But in terms of me spending like billable work, like I, I don't want to be doing that anymore. And more mentors that I've talked to that are running like SaaS companies and doing well, you know, two, three, four million dollar a year SaaS companies, they they've been insure like assuring me that like developers are a dime a dozen. And you know, like you've dealt with overseas. Like there really are so many of them <laughs> that it's the way that you can yeah, stand I out managed is, like a team of like fifteen mm-hmm. at any given time and it was There's a lot of them. Like you could be another with. Yeah. And they will take so much less money per hour than you. And it's like, there's a certain point where you just can't compete with it. But the thing that you can compete on is the entrepreneur, like the entrepreneurial aspect of it. You know, making the connection. Someone is willing to pay 50 grand. You could find a company that'll do it for 30 grand. You could make 20 grand by just connecting the two and being that middle person. It's, you know, that's like just deciding where you want to be in that. Do you want to be on the development side or do you want to be on the, the connection side? And really, that's like a true entrepreneur is one that connects to the right people and makes some money off the top of it. So, and then also kind of building out the company that you want to be building. Like, if you don't want to be a web development company, then stop taking on web development work. Um, if you want to be an MSP, then take on MSP work. You need to build some type of foundation. The MSP helped build a foundation for me, and it helped me learn sales, going into clients and trying to sell them on the value of MSP. So like that, like a lot of this has just been a step process of like learning to get to where I am now. Because if I didn't do this stuff first, I probably would not be able to sell CRM and consulting because a big part of my service is business consulting. And three years ago, I'd be talking bullshit if, if I was giving business consulting advice. But now I've worked enough inside of enough businesses and you start seeing correlations of how similar businesses are. Like every business is pretty much the same damn thing. And once you start making that correlation, you can start being a consultant and just trying to tie that in with everything. So I I guess the best thing is just to work in more businesses. Get The MSP world isn't a bad thing. The only thing I worry about the MSP world is 
computers are becoming more and more resilient where like you don't need to really do anything to maintain them. They could sit there for years at a time and really you don't need to do much with them. So showing your value of like, oh, we're yeah. taking care of this. Back in the day, it was very important to be proactively monitoring. Now it's, it's you know, less and less. And the more that companies are on SaaS software, web apps, the less it even matters. A computer is really just a portal. And the more that I started realizing it, the more I'm like, shit, this MSP space that I'm getting heavily invested in, who cares if the computer is backed up? Like they're just using five different SaaS software. The computer doesn't actually have anything on it. And it just started becoming like a weird thing that I'm like, we need to make sure your computer's backed up. And it's like, wait a minute, why? Like it doesn't even have anything on it that really needs to be what to reinstall Microsoft Word or Office. There's a certain point where I wasn't able to sell myself on it anymore, like believe in it. And then I was like, I need to just kind of move where things are really going or headed. And that was like the SaaS world, which CRM and business process design, you could be like, and that's what you are, right? Like you do problem solving. So this, it's very natural. Like you're yeah. able to see, hey, here's the problem. You're using Excel. You need a CRM. And just honestly, like, I don't want to say skip the MSP space, but like put more into problem solving with software. Unless you love, unless yeah, you love, love, Yeah, that's what I've been, mainly you know? been trying to, mm -hmm. is trying to skip it. But like, I, I don't know, I've been trying, kind of getting sucked into it anyways, but I've been trying to focus more on the problem solving aspect because mm, okay. it's like one of my mom's friend is she runs a company and like the only thing she has for running is an ipad i'm like i okay i, I can't do anything monetary wise <laughs> yes. for that yep, it's like yep, oh yep. <laughs> yeah but ipad it's like oh mm -hmm. yep so it's, it's like, no that's exactly it so you see the writing on the wall you see you know, where the industry is going. And I guess it's easy to, to jump into something that you feel comfortable in. Cause like I grew up building computers and everything and being the IT person for all my family and friends. So then, you know, maybe this will help from a mistake that I've made. I was like, well, I could build computers. I'll like, you know, if a client needs a computer, I'll build it for them. I could charge them two, $300 for the labor side. And it's like, I enjoy doing it whenever we'll buy parts and don't do that because now you're going to be managing and maintaining that computer for the next three, four years. If it has any problems whatsoever, they're considering that's like under warranty for you. And now you're, it's like, no, no, no. Just buy like bulk yeah. computers that have warranties. I there's prefer an issue. Dell's. Yeah. Just do that. Right. I go like Dell's good old, like mm -hmm. next day or three days service. I'm like, yeah. Please and thank you. So exactly. Not even all the expensive. Mm -hmm. And I guess just realizing that certain, cert, what should actually be your service offering and, and deciding when it is and when it isn't. And when it's not, you know, even if you see money there, it's just a distraction uh, from what your actual business is trying to be. It's just like, I'm like, oh, I can do that. I can, I just need to work mm -hmm. on like specializing more instead of, oh, you want that? I can do that. No worries. Oh, you mm -hmm. want this? That's a possibility. It's yep. Just and that's where, you know, especially when you don't have enough business, it's easy to say yes to everything. And it, it happened to me. Like, I ruined the web development industry for myself because I tried to turn a passion and a hobby of mine into a business too early. So I took something that I loved, that I enjoyed, that I was passionate about, and I tried to sell it 
and the clients I was trying to sell it to, these small businesses who couldn't afford it or even need the service, I would then, you know, begrudgingly like work on a Squarespace site for a client, be pissed off that I'm not building a custom site, which is what I wanted to be doing. And then I slowly just started hating the web development world because I didn't have the right clients, but they were giving me money, but it wasn't even great money. So the more I did that, the less I wanted to do web development for myself and my own company. And then I got to a point where I just didn't even want to do, I didn't even want to deal with the web development industry because I, it, it, the clients in a sense ruined it for me because they didn't have large enough budgets, but that was all myself. Like that was me pushing my hobby and passion into a business too early that you want to be in a position where if you have a passion or a hobby, you don't want to be saying yes to people that aren't the right fit because all that will happen is you will get bad clients in your eyes. They'll be bad clients. You know, they're, they're probably fine clients, but the thing is you're going to start ruining your passion because they're not the right fit for what your actual, you know, skill set is. So that's what happened to me in the web development industry. And I, it's taken me a while to kind of remedy myself from that. I, I just started doing web development work on my own site and I actually jumped back into it and it was fun and I enjoyed it and everything. But it took me like six, seven, eight months to recover from it, from just like hating it. And I, cause I just remember back, I'd be up for 14 hours just doing web development. I streamed on Twitch one day uh, for 27 hours straight. I don't know, it was ridiculous, but just doing web development. It was not healthy at all. I swear I didn't even get up and go to the bathroom or eat or anything. But people were there. There were like, you know, 10, 15, 20 people watching. And I was just doing web development. I was not being efficient at a certain point, clearly. But I had awesome conversations. One of my best friends now lives in France. And I met him in that chat room in, in, in the Twitch stream. So it was like, it you know, it served its purpose and it was fun and everything. But I think back to him, like, that was how deep I was into web development. And then I somehow went from that to not doing it at all. And that was just so eye-opening how clients, in a sense, killed my passion, which really, that was, and then I took a step back of, well, why did that happen? Well, because I was taking on the wrong clients. I want to give them like the best support possible, but I wasn't even able to charge them enough to give them that level of support. So that what I'd be doing would be, I'd be giving them great support. I was just eating it at that point. They weren't paying me enough. I was giving them good support and I would just resent everyone. And it's like, I brought that on myself. That was my own little learning experience I had to go through but it killed my passion. So it's like, just don't do that, I guess. Like, if you find something that you're passionate about, if you like helping businesses, if you like problem solving, don't force it. Like, if you could find a business, it's it's almost better in some regard to do something for free than it is to not charge much at all. Like, if you get a client that can't, that you just want to learn from, it's almost like if you find a nonprofit and you want to, like, help them, you can build up that value versus what the hell is charging them $100 yeah. a month doing what you're doing and you're giving them $700 a month of support and services? Because at that point, now you're just devaluing your services. Whereas when it's free, you get to decide. Like if you don't want to do something for them, you get to make that decision because they're not paying you. Whereas a client that's even giving you a dollar, they feel like they have control over what your services are, what you're doing for them. So it's just like, it's this really weird thing where I think, you know, definitely learn what you can. Have a couple of guinea pig clients that you could play around with and just learn what is valuable to them, but don't jump into the wrong client because you see a little bit of money there, you know? You should write an ebook. Hey, Thanks for all the help. Well, it was nice talking to you. Yeah, nice talking to you. Cool. Well, I'll talk to you later.
Take care. Bye now. Bye.